0: Business at the free throw line. Great balance across the board in another twenty and ten game for Vernon Carey Jr. Yeah, push it along.
1: Welcome to the Syracuse Basketball Podcast. Body Manning, James Zuba. After entertaining, but. frustrating one and that's the season right they get the five wins in a row they lose one at the end to Clemson, to cap this last week off and now on the biggest stage that they played on all year against Duke they have the lead from 1930 in the first half and completely squander it in that final minute minute and a half stretch where they missed four shots and Duke's able to convert on four straight possessions Take a four point lead to half
0: and they had the lead for the rest of the game yeah pretty incredible uh syracuse played a great first half came out really strong uh, elijah you know getting getting started in the scoring column. fadeaway jumper marek kind of got it going a little bit and then you know really towards the end of the half duke just kind of they they really like inched back and then they took the 40 to 36 lead Syracuse had a chance. Buddy Beheim on the inbounds play, he had a chance at a three. I think that really could have shifted momentum going into the half. He misses. Duke comes out and they continue their run. Uh, I think Duke went on a nine-three run at the first four minutes out of the break, and really Syracuse never got back in it. Saniba uh, had a tip in late that cut it to five, but that was as close as Syracuse got. They never got it to within one. Sidibe so had a good stretch there. He,
1: he got deflection on carry on the back end. He had that tip in, he had a feed from Bayheim that was during that run as well. And then he falls out. Gary follows out. And they couldn't contain Vernon Carey all night long. And that's what changed his mind. I think he had five offensive rebounds, double feet, double digit rebounding in this one. And Bayheim said, without much of an answer, that they can't contain these bigger guys. And we've seen it again and again all year. Even 6'6, Tevin Mack. I thought he was a center the way he was playing out there to close that game. And it's the same deal with Carey in this one. Only this guy, I hate to give it up, but after how Elijah Hughes played in this one and how Carey played in this one, I might have to hand that ACC player of the year race
0: over to him. Hey, man, he he earned it in this one. Uh, I just think there's not really much you could do if you're Syracuse. I mean, what what else do you do in the first half? They really tried to collapse on him Uh, as soon as he got a post-touch on Barama. Saw the help defense come down. They're really trying to double him. Some of these moves, he's just turning. He's going over his shoulder. He's finishing over the top. And there's really not much more you could ask out of Syracuse to do. Uh, in certain situations, you know, definitely on the fast break, he's getting a couple of lobs, finishing at the rim. Uh, you definitely want to prevent as many of those opportunities as you can if you're Syracuse. Uh, but you know, certainly, he's he a beast down there. Uh, really hard to contain. And, as you mentioned, probably uh, the front-runner right now for ACC Player of the Year. Um, you know, certainly there's a couple other guys in that that class right now, but um, I have to say it probably has to be pretty carry at this point. Yeah, and he's been in that position all year,
1: really. I mean, he's had a few letdowns here and there. They've had some bad games against Clemson, against Stephen F. Austin that they've Collapsed and had some bad losses here and there, but they've been brutally consistent even this one They were in trouble for a lot of that first half. Syracuse was chasing them around defensively the turnovers all that and It looked like Syracuse was gonna at least be in good position at halftime So that's why that stretch going into that killed me because they were gonna be in a position the rest of the way Where they were chasing Duke and even though they had a great Offensive half in that second half they started 5 of 11 they worked through huge struggles. They worked through the overall struggles from three. Yep. Every single time they mounted a run, as you said, they got within five late. About a minute later, they're down 10 again. Yeah. Because Cassius Stanley's running in transition with the three-point play. Trey Jones had some free throws. They were great at the free throw line in this one. So they were run-stoppers. And that's, I always think about that with Duke. Like, you get the crowd going crazy. Everyone's
0: going nuts. The yeah. comeback looks like it's on, and they score a ginormous bucket inside to just shut everybody up. It, it just seemed like every time Syracuse made a push, every time that they made a run, Duke had an answer. And, you know, Syracuse was able to, you know, chip away at it slowly. Um, you saw, you know, Buddy, when he, midway through the second half, he made a couple threes, but hurt came down, and he answered. And, you know, Syracuse used Gerard. They hit the late late threes. And you got Cassius Stanley coming coming down the floor. He had a pair of three point plays down just getting out on the break. So they, they really had an answer every time. And that was, Syracuse was never able to get back in. They were never, never able to get over that hump. Uh, but Duke, yeah, certainly a run stopper. I, I think, you know, Syracuse, they made a great effort. Um, as, as Jim said, you got to make shots. They didn't make enough shots. It's cliche. It's, you know, it's supposed to be, but they, they didn't make enough threes in this game to really win. Elijah, one for nine, for, 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 last for nine. It was a He's rough game. For better, and they just didn't get enough plays down the stretch. And that's that's the ballgame. Duke's, Duke's just a bad team.
1: Yeah, and Hughes has been on a weaker stretch lately. He's banged up a little bit, I feel like. He's had that wrist tape on his hands awesome. for most of the season. And physically, Duke was giving them a beating in this one. Before Quincy went off on that seven point run in the first half, he had two putback opportunities down low where he just got Pushed off the spot. Definitely fouls, but not called. And those are the kind of things that Syracuse had to deal with throughout this one. Both teams were getting a lot of free throws. Syracuse was fouling a lot in their own right defensively. But it almost looked to me like Duke was
0: just willing to give up fouls. Did, did, you, did you see that? They, they just called another foul. <laughs> another, the ref just whistled another foul, I'm pretty sure. Because there are 55 fouls called in this game. 54. Oh, 54. But yeah. well, 55 with the technical. Yes. So 55 in total. Uh, that's absurd. Uh, I think Syracuse fans will remember the game against Ohio State in the 2012 Elite Eight. I don't. I don't think that game had that many fouls, and that and that it worked felt, against
1: Cuse. They shoot 38 no percent in this one. Duke was fine at 57 percent. They hit the free throws that they were given. They got a lot of points at the line, they score eighty-eight in this one. I'm sure if we asked Coach K, I wasn't at the presser, but if I asked him about that, I don't think they were planning to come out here and foul as much as they did. No, but it was weird not. that they continued to do it, play after play, into a timeout, out of a timeout, they'd foul. And they Really didn't lose anybody except Wendell Moore with about three minutes to play, even though seven guys got three fouls.
0: Yeah, De- DeLaurier fouled out as well, and it's funny you mention that. But, you know, I think Syracuse, they did, especially early in the second half, they, they did get the benefit of the whistle in a few scenarios. Uh, I know Syracuse fans were, were upset, um, you know, on numerous calls throughout the night. That I'm Garrier is the bad one. But, but besides that... But when you're the, the losing team, though, it's it's hard to build that momentum. with when you're constantly calling the the fouls, it's hard to really get the momentum that you need to make a run to get over that hump. I think down the stretch, Duke made the plays, but certainly uh, the ref blowing the whistle is not conducive to making making a run and trying to build momentum towards a comeback. How much of this team, they've improved certainly.
1: This is a game they lose in a blowout early in the season. As we saw with the Penn State game, Oklahoma State game, every night now they're playing just one or a few possession games within the team that they're playing. They had been on a long stretch of winning or losing games by one possession after that Clemson game. So they're definitely in a better spot now, but with 10 or so games left, there isn't a lot of room for improvement left. I guess into the ACC tournament, yes, but in the confines of the schedule they have left, two top 10 teams to go against Louisville and Florida State. It's gonna be, they're gonna need one of those. But how much of this team's improvement the rest of the way do you think is going to be Quincy Garrier's improvement? Because we've seen him putting up points, we've seen him getting involved in the rebound game, but Bayheim, pressure after pressure, keeping a hard on him, saying that he's taking advantage of smaller guys, but when he gets into these matchups against the bigger guys, hey, he's not able to compete.
0: Quincy looks like an All-American against Bullgate, that's all I can say. Boeheim in the presser set against 6'3 guys. He has success. He's not ready for a game like this to go out and have a big night. Uh, look, Quincy's gotten better. Uh, I think he's he's gotten a little bit better defensively. Certainly not to the point where Jim Bayheim would like him to be at this point. Um, I don't think he took a three tonight. That's, that's one of the big keys yeah, for him. He's, he can't shoot. He's got to take it to the rim. I think he got that message. He came in, he had a great first half. Three offensive rebounds, uh, a couple and ones. Joe had him, he found him for a sweet dish finished in, got the end one, um, and then he kind of faltered you know, throughout the second half. He kind of fell off, tapered off a little bit, but he's he's getting better, and I do think that he's he still has the most room to improve on this Syracuse team. I think everybody else is sort of you know, close to where they're going to be this season, but Quincy could still make a little bit more of a jump, and I think he can give you a little bit more. Um, he's just got to continue to keep doing what he's doing, keep working hard in practice, and not take any free. So I think that's this recent stretch has seen him
1: scoring on the fast break, and some good stretches in that aspect of the game, and also these putbacks. So on the offensive glass, he's great. Defensive, there's some room for improvement there. But what do you think a more finished version of Quincy by the end of the year looks like? Because without the shot, without the face-up game, he really is just pressing himself in the traffic, and that doesn't lead to
0: a lot of consistent offense. There, there's no reason Quincy Garrier can't go out and get a double-double. Uh, That's not to say he's going to do that every single night, but he can have that kind of impact on the game. Um, I think, you know, obviously, as we said, cut out the threes, continue to attack the glass every play. There's no reason that that he can't attack that glass. Uh, If you're one of the guards, of course, that's a different scenario because you're you're worried about getting back on defense. But for Quincy, he should be attacking the offensive glass every play. Uh, Syracuse certainly isn't going to run their offense through him, so that's how he can get those garbage buckets, you know, get those points up. Um, and then defensively, of course, he's got to look to defend and then go on the defensive glass. I think he can do a little bit better on the defensive glass, um, but certainly he's capable of going out and then scoring ten points and getting ten rebounds every night. It's just a matter of you know getting those minutes, not fouling, so he can allow himself to play that time. And he's certainly capable of getting a double double. I was wildly impressed by Cash's Stanley late in this one.
1: He, he got hurt bad early in the season and had that great miraculous return after one game. Yeah. And he's been almost a mile Bridges' as player for them. You know, he's got that in between factor. He can pass. The shot isn't Damn. great; it's not always there. But his penetration is unbelievable, and his slashing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wildly impressed with the penetration. As you say. Balls. Uh, Those full court drives that he had through the press, breaking it down himself, and then finishing through Sidibe at the rim was so impressive to me. He only had 15 in this one, but as much as Carrie broke this game down, he's that second guy who just breaks your back. They have 90 points in this one. You can get to the 80s with Carey, I feel like, but this guy reaches you to that next level where you can yeah. win this game. We've seen some great players and dude, We've seen Bagley, we've seen Tatum, we've seen guys like that. This is a one-two punch. That's just probably a run below Zion, RJ last year. But the fact that you can even get to that level with them is pretty remarkable, considering what they lost from last year's team. This one's deeper. They have more balance to them. They have seven guys that can dish out fouls and play quality minutes. And then you still have those two guys at the top who can just outmatch any talent on the opposing side. We talk about Hughes and Bahein, that one-two punch.
0: They weren't even close to matching the production that Carrie and Stanley put out there this year. No, not close. And when you look at Duke, certainly, I think this year's team's a little bit different in that, you know, their one through nine is a lot closer in terms of uh, being at, you know, a similar level versus Zion, RJ, and even Cam. I don't think Cam really got to showcase his his full ability. Yeah, he had two or three games where he was looking great. those, Those guys were so far, you know, ahead of everybody else on the team last year. Certainly you bring back some of those guys they are a year better, and you bring in the freshman talent, not quite as talented. Vernon Carey, um, definitely a, a talented guy, but I don't think he's anywhere really close to Zion. Um, and, you know, Cassius, as you mentioned, uh, he's, he's not quite, you know, he's not even quite Cam, uh, that's no. that's no disrespect to Cam. Uh, but, you know, certainly he, he was great tonight. Um, you mentioned it, you know, getting out of the break, his ability to penetrate. Some of those finishes were really tough, and he finished, you know, with look at the one fast break he had. Um, you know, Joe and Baramo were both trying to get in front of him. He kind of kept it out in front, drew the contact, and finished. That was, that was another momentum killer for Syracuse. They were phenomenal in this game,
1: and Syracuse had its lapses. Shooting-wise, they're not where they were early in the season but are you more encouraged with their ability to build a lead early on this team and hang with them the way they did, get within five late? Are you discouraged by the fact that we still haven't seen them beat a great, great team? That Virginia one qualifies, but all three of those quality wins that they have lately are counteracted by losses that they had to those teams
0: earlier in the schedule. They're they're really going to need either that win at Florida State or at Louisville. I don't know if they can get that done. There is an alternative path. I think that if you beat everybody else, uh, you know, and that's a tall order. If you beat everybody else, you might find your way into the NCAA tournament. But as we've seen in the past with the NCAA tournament selection committee, it's about who you meet and they're gonna have to beat somebody good. Now, there is an opportunity in the ACC tournament. You don't wanna rely on that. We've talked about that one. you, You could get another Duke or Florida State or Louisville on a neutral. I don't know that you want to go into the ACC tournament needing that, uh, or you can win the whole thing, obviously. That's what I'm pushing for. (laughs) (laughs) Although I wouldn't feel so good if they went against
1: this Duke team again. The problem really is with them, and we talked about this so much after the game, every time they go against a physical dominant center, Not even a dominant center, just a center with size that can challenge them in there. They're giving up offensive rebounds. They're giving up buckets on the interior. They're giving up and ones, which is the deadliest of all. Duke had four and ones successful in that second half. That's, let me do some math off the top of my head. Three, six, nine, twelve? I mean, that's the difference. (laughs) No, I think it's twelve. I think you're right. I think that's twelve. So, I mean, personnel wise, they can't adjust to this. X's and O's. How
0: can they stop these centers better? They they can. Right. <laughs> I don't think they, they, can. Uh, as Jim Boeheim said, you know, every you know decent big man they've given All American years uh, in, in the post. And I think you know Luca Garza is a different level. But when you play Oklahoma State, he's regretting you that you're an A1, in, Yeah, so. you know, I, I mean, I think they, they made him look like he was an All American. Uh, you know, Mike Watkins, Penn State, he was a problem. He's the real deal. Yeah, that's a He's, top he's the real deal. He's also 40 years old. So <laughs> also, a little bit. But, you know, I mean, certainly those guys, they've had great performances against Syracuse. And once again, uh, Syracuse is proven that they, they really can't stop any formidable big man. And I don't think that's going to change throughout the rest of the year. I don't think there's anything they can do. Um, you know, Jesse, uh, I think he's got great potential, great upside. I don't think he's really ready to give you too much in there. And Barama, you know, I think he's trying. Um, but, you know, a, a guy like Brendan Carey is just better and he's gonna be able to score and that's that. Defensively, they did
1: some interesting things. They were throwing a lot of different guys at Hughes and Bayheim And it's interesting, the last two games, I feel like we've seen their best defender go more toward Buddy and try to cut off his runs than toward Hughes, and Hughes gets his. He had a strong run to start this one, faded away toward the later end of this one. then you put the Jones factor on the point guard, which is interesting because you could have opted to put him on one of the better players, but he completely shut ride out of this one. They go to Howard Washington for a little bit. don't get too much from him either. So they basically shut the point guard factor out of this for Syracuse. Rely on those wing guys like Moore who I thought was awesome defensively. Pretty bad offensively, but they they loved having him back on the defensive end of the floor. And they did... Miles better than anybody else this year, shutting off that perimeter factor that Syracuse had going for them so strongly
0: through this yep. recent improvement. Yeah, I think you saw Duke uh, shift a lot of their perimeter focus defensively. They threw a lot of different guys. They mixed it up. They're awesome. Uh, cool. different, different they get the best talent, but they do a lot with it too. That's what you gotta like about Duke. You got a guy like Jones. He did shut him out for a while, and then he, you know, kind of forces Elijah to take on some of the ball handling responsibilities, which we know he can do. And then, yeah, more as you said, you know, he was on Hughes. Uh, I I think one thing they could have taken advantage of a little bit more is when Alex O'Connell's in the game, certainly you want whoever he is guarding to attack him and go one-on-one. You know, he was on Hughes for a stretch. He switched on to Buddy. I thought Buddy could have done a little bit more there tonight. Um, You know, tough, tough night for him. He was able to knock down a few threes in the second half. But overall, I think that they could have exploited that mismatch a little bit more. Where's the shooting gone? That's a big question for
1: me. <laughs> is, you know, is, it, is it the fatigue, the minutes, and the season wearing down on some of these young guys? Because it seems to be a gradual thing that's worn away at them. I think the defensive factor and the extra attention that those shooters are getting, yes. while, the, while they can leave, Dolezal, who's been playing great off of that, but not breaking other teams' backs when he gets loose. So bay has been able to pick up a few more buckets off that. But I look at the schedule. The amount of games and minutes that are piling up for the guards, especially, I think that's a factor too, and it's concerning because they're going to have a heavy
0: rush of games and a lot of pressure to win a lot of games on the stretch of the season. Yeah, I think I think two things. I'm not sure if fatigue set in; it's, it's certainly plausible. It's the second half. Uh, you're they're struggling mightily in these sections. You're, you're you're right about that. Uh, I think just given the nature of three-point shooting, some some days you just don't have it. Some days it just doesn't come, um, and other other days you can't miss. Uh, That's kind of the nature as it goes, a three-point shooter. You want to eliminate the volatility as much as you can and obviously work on the shooter. And then two, to your point, I think teams are playing them a little bit closer. Uh, I think everybody sort of figured out that Buddy Boeheim is a really good shooter. Teams are coming up on him. They're making him a driver. They're right at his shorts, and they say, if he's going to beat us, make him a driver. He's shown that he can do that, but teams are really focused on the perimeter. And same with Gerard. Same goes for him. Teams are playing him a little bit closer. Some of the threes that he's getting are from deep. So those are threes that, you know, our defender's not going to necessarily always be out there, but in other scenarios, they're up on him. And, say Elijah can do a little bit more off the dribble and sort of get to that mid-range. Um, I think, yeah, opposing defenses are certainly pressing up and, and making Syracuse make plays on defense. The they've improved
1: inside the arc, though, these last five to seven they games, have. where they've lost the three-point shooting. I look at that constant one especially. They were doing a lot of good work inside the arc when the three-point shot wasn't there. That's been interesting to see because they could have used that balance early in the season when they had games like the New York City one where the threes weren't falling as much for them. A lot of what they've done this year has gone in ebbs and and flows. I think it's impressive that this game had the magnitude that it did. This could have been just a lost game by the time they got here. They lost some of the bad ones to the lower tier of the ACC, but they picked up wins through the schedule. I feel like you can look at everybody on this team maybe say for gerard who's definitely going to a funk right now and say that they've improved to some degree so we look at those two big games left against florida state Bell. maybe they can't take those and they take care of a lot of the rest of the acc that's left probably not enough to get into the tournament but what bar are we holding this team to the rest of the way because i realistically think we can look at them improving them winning the games that they should and then just narrowly missing mark and still say it was a successful season relative to where they were early in the year, but no one's going to accept that. Hughes is probably out the door. They're going to have some very tough recruiting classes ahead as they look toward 2022. And all of a sudden, you look at this year, even though it is a young team, and say there's a little bit of urgency to get in the March.
0: You know, certainly in Syracuse, you want to try to win every game. Uh, I think what's realistic is you try to steal one at Florida State or at Louisville get one of those you're feeling a little bit better about your chances uh, and then in all the other games they can be competitive in, in every game uh, I think a few tricky ones are NC State at home uh, I do think that's a winnable game for Syracuse uh, on the road at Pittsburgh uh, UNC at home now that Cole Anthony's back Cole Anthony's back and unfortunately uh, we'll see if the NCAA tournament selection committee uh, how much they take all this into consideration but that would be a quarter and three game for Syracuse Unbelievable. and it's a, it's a very losable game given the two big men they have inside, Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, and then you have Paul Anthony back, and they're back to full strength because of what they were in the preseason. Yes. So, that's a very losable game for Syracuse, and it could end up looking worse on the schedule as a quad recruit three loss, should they lose that one. Especially and, at home. It's just, the, the, where it's set in the
1: calendar, where well, they haven't been great in recent seasons, at the end of the year there, where they were going to be able to get their health back, and where the damage would have already been done from them losing games from not having those guys, and then being that team that they were at the beginning of the season, at least health-wise, which is a devastating blow to Syracuse. And honestly, that's a game that I look at with the personnel, like you said. Where they haven't played is great at home. I could see them losing that one, for sure. And that'd be a devastating blow to the stretch of the season to their market. There's a recency bias, maybe two, that factors into in.
0: That, i feel like For sure. uh, before we get out of here i want to ask you dome crowd tonight not a complete sellout a little over thirty-one thousand. i thought the the, the stripes it, it worked out a little bit better than what i would have thought i thought it was going to be really bad but it looked it looked a little bit better from afar anyway. and it, it
1: highlighted the student section too very strong student section yeah. the Wait, swag surface oh i loved it i loved it man
0: I, maybe i'm what... getting old and i'm horny now but i loved
1: it they get that on TV for this big game once every year, but we know that's not what's always over there. You wish that it could be more of a normal here, but we're looking at another team that's on the fringe of getting in, it's more likely they won't get in than they will. If they will, it would be a massive accomplishment to just sneak in. That's a different standard, and there's a different level of student support that comes with that. The long hard time, die hard fans like yourself are going to be here year in and year out, but. For kids who are just casually interested in the team, they gotta have more of a national residence to bring what they did out here, because this you is for the yeah We gotta have a
0: little
1: bit more of a push. It's a, I'm happy with where we are, but the recent developments show you that they're probably just gonna inch a little bit close and disappoint us because of the personnel, because of some of the great teams that they play on the stretch, because of what they're
0: picking up for at the beginning of the year. I would agree. I think they're going to come up a little bit short uh, a lot of season left a lot can change uh, but i just I, I don't know that syracuse can win either on the road at florida state at louisville certainly you know, crazier things have happened, uh, but I, I would just view it as unlikely right now and i think those are you have to get at least one road games to get into the ncaa tournament uh, so I, I would think that they would come up a little bit short well. quick no we talked about Gary
1: at the beginning. Boeheim. Mike Waters had a test the exchange in the press conference there. And that's been an ongoing thing because especially harsh criticism of Garrier. Jeff Goodman had this guy being a top 10 pick going into the year. He's the starter all summer. He goes to the bench, struggles mightily this year. And that him is a point of improvement. has been a topic for Bayheim all year long. It's been tough on him. Garrier has handled it incredibly well and has improved through it, I feel like.
0: When do you make it that uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say without the context. If, if it was something that Beheim said openly in oppressor, I, I don't really understand what he has to be upset about because Mike was just doing his job. You follow up with the player, if, per se. If it was something that was said in, in privacy and in, in confidence, uh, that's a different story. I, I'm not sure of the context there, but I've, I've never seen Mike that upset uh, over something like that. And certainly I, I would say that if it was something that was said over oppressor, Mike's just doing his job, and I
1: don't think that's the worst form of We'll see what comes out of this game, not only for this season, but from a recruiting standpoint, too. Dior, Cruz, Patrick Tapay in the crowd. Three guys they really need for 2022, and in Tapay's case, next year, they could use that center help. You haven't been high on him coming from the Ivy League, but. A 6'10 guy who can score, who can face up a little bit, rebound. You look at this game,
0: it's exactly what they need. Sure. I mean, it's worth taking a flyer. Again, I do look at it with a little bit of skepticism. Not so impressive when you post those numbers in the Ivy League with over guys that are probably shorter than you uh, and a little bit less athletic than you. It's going to be a different ballgame if you're out here in this type of environment. Uh, but certainly for Syracuse, it doesn't hurt to have another big body in there, uh, throw him into the mix, and then, See who emerges out of the four centers next year, should they all return. Awesome night at the Dome. I had fun. It's
1: great to have James here, too. Yeah, that first half was really fun. It was fun until the ref started blowing up. Was, and then yeah. the second half turned into a slog, and they were chasing Duke the whole way. Definitely resonates how good that Duke team is, how impressive it is when a team's able to knock them off, especially a Stephen at Austin in that environment there at Duke, Cameron. What it's actually called. <laughs> it's midnight here. I think that's a good point to tune off on. That's James Zula. I'm Bobby Manning. We'll see you late next week for another edition of the Syracuse Basketball Podcast. Keep your mind pushing